<clears throat> Fantastic to be here with you. We've had a wonderful day. Uh, really enjoyed visiting among you, and I want to say thank you for that. If you're visiting tonight, we're thrilled that you're here. We hope you've enjoyed the singing and the, the prayer. We hope that you enjoy the study as well. I'm feeling pretty excited. I'm feeling pretty wound up. Usually that means I talk too fast. Uh, it usually means I get real tongue-tied and say words I shouldn't say. But I'll try to slow down and enunciate and do a good job. I'm really thrilled. My family's here, most of my family. My beautiful wife's here. Um, this is the only other place my kids have ever called home is this place. And so it feels a lot like home for us to be here. And uh, this congregation has really meant a lot to us because of the home that you've made for my kids. And I'll always be grateful. A uh, couple things I need to say before I really get wound up and going. One is uh, there's a few slots left if you have input on new leadership. Uh, there's slots left, and so visit with Ty or I or one of the elders or deacons. We've got appointments available. There's not a lot, and if, if you can't meet with us but you have input, we'll figure out something. Uh, we can do that over the phone or in some other way. We can figure out a way to communicate and get your input, but everyone's input is valuable. We want to speak with everyone, and so we'd encourage you to do that. Along the way, also, Ty will be speaking tomorrow, but I want to thank this congregation. You have supported my work in evangelism for over 20 years, and you've been very faithful in that, and I want to say thank you. You're very good to us, and you're generous to us, and we appreciate that very much. I want to say thank you for that. The study is about the ladies tonight, and I've titled the subject, Godly Wife, a Leader's Wife, and the ladies are probably have been undervalued without a doubt. They've been undervalued over time and over the years, at least in my estimation. And I want to talk to you about the critical and the essential role of the ladies, not just in the work of the church, but as it applies to leadership and the work of leadership within the church. And some of these things we're going to talk about come straight from the qualities that we find that were given to Timothy and Titus. We're going to look at that just a little bit. We're going to expand on that just a little bit tonight. And I'm excited about the study. I think it's a very important study. And as with the men, I tried to find a photograph that conveyed an image of godliness and of dedication to God's Word and of following God's Word. And I found this picture and I really thought it was good. I thought it kind of encapsulated that a little bit. The book of Proverbs 31 verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The value of godly women is tremendous. You are so valuable, not only just to your husband, to your children, to your family, but to the church and to God's kingdom and to the work of the church and the kingdom. That's the idea. Here's a statement that I want to make, and I believe it's very true. There are no godly men without godly women. None, ever. And every godly man that has ever lived has been influenced by godly women. And we've got to have godly women in the church. We've got to have women who dedicate themselves and their lives to Jesus, who dedicate and sacrifice of themselves to the church and to the kingdom. I know women make tons of sacrifices. 
Tons of them. Years ago, we got home from church one day, and I had preached, and I asked my wife, I said, how'd you like my sermon? And she said, I didn't listen. And I, I started to, you know, you ought to listen. She had this look in her eyes. She said, you wrestle these kids. You sit here and take care of these kids, all doing service. You try to pay attention to the lesson. You try to listen during communion and get your mind on this with these kids. I know there are sacrifices. There are hardships along the way, but those sacrifices pay dividends in the future. It pays dividends to those children, you see. So I want to encourage you ladies tonight. There are no godly men, and I will tell you, there will never be elders without godly wives for those elders. There will never be deacons without women who dedicate themselves to God. There will never be deacons. There will never be leaders in the church. It's impossible. These two things go together. The book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. It's a wonderful passage I'm sure you've heard thousands of times. Man needed help and God created him a help. He created him a person that was meet and appropriate for the man. And we're a wonderful team, men and women. We're a wonderful union. We work together wonderfully. And when we create a home and a family, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it works well. And the opposite's true too. When we don't work together, when we don't put God first in our lives, when we don't try to be a help to one another, it fails and it doesn't function in the way God would have it to. Timothy said this in 1 Timothy 3 verse 11, Even so must their wives, the elders and deacons' wives, these are qualities of both, I believe and as I understand, they must be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. And you might say, well, that's, that's only four things. And there's all this lifts for the men. These four things are broad. These four things cover a lot of territory. And I want to take a look at these things just for a little bit this evening. I want you to consider the kind of wife you are. You young ladies who are here today, I want you to consider the kind of role that you want to have within the church. Because your husband cannot be a leader in the church if you're not a woman like this. If someday you want your man to be a leader in God's church, then you've got to become this woman. Because if you're not this woman, then he cannot be a leader in the church. And we might sit here and say, woe is me, that poor man. I want you to focus on that. I'm going to say woe to the church. Because the church needs leaders. The church is desperately in need of leaders. We talked about that a little bit last night. The churches that I see that are dying they don't have elders. And I can tell you, I put together a list not just long ago, and I counted up in my lifetime 18 churches that have closed their doors. Brethren, that makes me sick. It makes me ill. I will tell you, there's more coming. Brother Craig and I had a long conversation about this and, and it made us both sad and we grieved about this because it seems like in our lifetime, churches are closing. I would, I would much rather say during our run, churches were 
being created and growing and it's what we got. Man, we, we didn't choose the cards. We got dealt some cards. We're trying to work with it. But you as a lady have a tremendous role to play in leadership and in future leadership and how things go with the church. And God says, this is the kind of women that we need. And so I ask you today, whether you're a young lady or an older lady, to look at these things and examine your life and try to make changes and be this woman. Because evidently this woman is an ideal woman for an elder's wife and for a deacon's wife. And I think it's a wonderful thing. So let's talk just for a little bit about these. Gravity is a word we don't use really. Uh, It's a King James word. It's not a word that I use in everyday conversation. But the word is fairly simple. It means to live in an honorable or respectable way. Uh, The word gravity or to be a grave woman means you're a woman whose behavior or conduct is that you present yourself with dignity, respectability, or honor. And I think in many versions, uh, the word is translated honor. But it has to do with behavior. It has to do with how you live day in and day out. It has to do with being a woman who is honorable and respectable at home and at town and with friends and in any situation. That's the idea. To live an honorable life, a life that honors God with what you do and what you say. It honors God with what you decide to make time for and sacrifice your time and your abilities to. This is the idea behind gravity. The same thought is given to deacons in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8. Likewise, must deacons be grave. And so this isn't just for women alone. It's for men as well. And I know y'all have studied these things and talked about the idea of deacons. But deacons must be honorable men. They must conduct themselves honorably. They must deal honorably with other people. And so this is the idea that's given to us here in Timothy. In the book of Proverbs 11, verse 16, the wise man says, A gracious woman retaineth honor. And sometimes we think about ladies, and we think they're just gracious. They just have a way. It's kind. It's pleasing. They'll take time for you, and they will bring you into their home or they will bring you into their circle and they will make you a part of their world. This graciousness, it it gives life. It brings goodness. That's what grace does, isn't it? And that's the idea that we find about a lady of gravity. And the second one we have is not slanderers. Slanderer is not a word we use a lot today. But this word is also one of Satan's titles in the book of Revelation. And it means a false accuser or someone who speaks falsehood. Thayer says the word slander means prone to slander or prone to saying things that are not true. And this is a big one. It's very important. They're all big, but this is very important. That what we say matters. And I, I don't, maybe you weren't raised like me. I was raised by mom and dad saying sticks and stones may break my bones. But that wasn't true. I mean, sticks and stones will break your bones, but the words will hurt. What we say hurts. Or what we say helps. What we say will ingratiate us with other people. Or what we say can tear people apart, can tear families apart, and can tear the church apart. Our words have great power. 
And the admonition that we have is that we need women who are the wives of leaders who are truthful and who are careful with what they say. They speak truth. And I believe it also means they know when to not speak at all. Psalms 34 verse 13, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Guile is an interesting word if you study the word guile. And the word guile means to trick, to deceive. We read about guile quite a bit, but I'll tell you about guile. Zane and I, we hunt coyotes. We enjoy this. We put on our camo and we get our guns and we go out and we sit down in the brush and we put out in front of us a rabbit call, a decoy. It's, it's guile, okay? This is the idea of guile and, and it plays the sound of a, a rabbit that's hurt. It sounds like a coyote howling and it deceives and those coyotes come in and guess what's waiting for them? Death. I mean, if I'm shooting, it's death. If Zane's shooting, it's going to scare, okay? I mean, he kills more of them than I do. They come in thinking there's a meal. They come in thinking there's something good, and then it's a bullet. And this is the idea behind slander that things can be said to deceive and it goes to the heart of us, the heart of a woman, the heart of a man. And, and it's easy to get in a habit. It's easy to say things that are not true or to say things to mislead, to say things to get people off the trail or to not know the full truth. And a woman who's a leader's wife must speak truth. <laughs> she must speak truth. She must be a woman of gravity, a woman who conducts herself honorably, you see. And you, as, as a leader's wife, you will have knowledge of the business of the church. As a leader's wife, you will have knowledge of very important, very delicate situations. And you have to be careful. You have to be a person who just keeps it in. You, you will have to be a very careful person because there's great power in the tongue. The wise man of old said, keep thy tongue from evil. A woman who talks about things she should not or who accuses others falsely. And so I want to encourage you to be careful. I have to be careful when I say this. Loose lips sink Ships. I said it one time and it didn't sound like that at all. Loose lips sink ships. This was a slogan during World War II. And we were in a war and there were spies and the encouragement was to not be talking about things because it could harm our servicemen. It could hurt the war effort. It could cause family members to die overseas. And it's the same idea here. If we say things we shouldn't say, if we talk about things we shouldn't talk about, if we carelessly mention, oh yeah, these brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so having trouble, those things can burn like a wildfire. 
and create harm and create trouble and cause the leadership to have to work and try to recover and try to care. And this is a very important thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13, he says, With all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, but not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Some things need not said, ever. And if you're a leader's wife, you're going to have some knowledge. Hopefully your husband is circumspect and prudent and he doesn't give you some of that knowledge. And when, when your husband knows something, don't go fishing for that information. A good friend of mine in leadership, he said, I told my wife about a problem in church and he said, now she has a hard time looking at some people. You, you elders, you leaders, you deacons, be careful. And you wives, when your husband says you don't want to know, let me tell you, you don't. You don't, because some things you can't get out of your mind. Thirdly is sober. Uh, A difficult word in some respects. It means exactly that, sober or temperate. Temperate being self-controlled. It means also abstaining from wine, and that would be the most common way we would look at the word, to not be drunk. Uh, with wine. It also means circumspect, which is very similar to temperate in a lot of ways. So I want you to think about sober in a couple of different ways, but basically sober means to be in your right mind and to be in control of your mind. Because if you were drunk and the alcohol or if you were on drugs, those drugs would cause you to lose control of your mind, it would cause you to lose control of your speech and slur your speech or lose your ability to walk or drive a car and hence drunk driving is a terrible thing and it's a real problem. The idea of being sober is not just about wine only, but it is also could be a person who doesn't have control of their thoughts and of what they say. And so sober can mean to be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. And this goes hand in hand with what we talked a little bit last night about having foresight. To think carefully and be in control of what we say, be in control of what we do. Sometimes people need information and sometimes the ladies are going to have to give that information. And we need to be careful about that. We need to try to think it through and word it. You know, problems arise, there's misunderstandings, but this is a word that teaches us a very wide range of things that we need to do. And being circumspect about those things, to be wise and consider those things is very important. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, he said, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. We ought to clothe ourselves with these things. In other words, we ought to arm ourselves and wear sobriety like a breastplate, something that protects the heart, something that protects the fountain of our thoughts and the fountain of our decisions. And we should give thought circumspectly and temperately and self-control what we say and what we think. And we should try to be a person of vision and have foresight about those things. Every leader's wife must keep knowledge she has secret. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, you said that. I'm going to tell you, it's a critical element. It's of great importance to be circumspect and be sober and think ahead about what you say and do. 
Proverbs 11, verse 22, As a jewel of gold and a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. Ty don't like pictures, but I, I like this picture. And, and Proverbs gives us such a, a word picture. My son and I, we were talking the other day about the word pictures that are painted. A moat and a beam in your eye. And you can, just, you can just visualize that. Look, think about the picture this gives us. This is the kind of a lady who's not discreet, who's not careful with her words. I mean, she may look good. She may have a nice dress, all those kinds of things. And sobriety speaks to this, you see. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 is an interesting passage. He says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is to your cause. And in this passage, he, he counters these two things, being beside yourself or sober. And I can remember growing up, and as a small child, I remember hearing my father and my mother say about a lady who was hysterical. They'd say, well, she's beside herself. And I remember having this mental image as a child thinking, that's crazy. She stepped out of her body and she's standing beside herself. We understand what it means to lose control. To, to lose your temperance, to lose your self-control. And this happens to many people. It, it's happened to me. And usually it happens to me when I'm angry. And, and when I get angry, I get beside myself. And I have no control over what I say. And I will be mean and I will be ugly and I will try to destroy when I'm angry. And then a little while later, when I cool down, I'm just like the Incredible Hulk. When I shrink down to my regular size, I go, what happened? What I say? I know it was bad. I know it wasn't good. And this is the, one of the ideas of being sober is to control your mind. And you know, I'm going to tell you something, ladies. If your husband's a leader in the church, people are going to gripe. Why'd he do that? Why'd they make that decision? Why is he doing this? Why are they doing that? Who took out the trash? Who bought this brand of toilet paper? I don't like it. And I'm going to tell you, criticism's not always unfair. Some criticism is fair. And I just want you to understand, you need to have control of yourself, even if your man's criticized. Even if things are said. They may get under your skin. You may overhear. doesn't matter. We ought to suffer wrong and bear it patiently. We're taught that in Scripture. And that's the kind of, of leaders' wives that we need. Ephesians says it this way in 4 verse 26, Be angry and sin not. Just because we're angry about something doesn't mean we have to say a word. Well, to bear that. Finally, and by way of wrapping this up, Faithful in all things. It's a very broad term. Faithful, I think we understand in everything, in all things. And there's probably a lot of ways this could be applied, and it catches all. It's a big net, and it catches everything else. That you must be a lady who is faithful in all. And I want to think about just a few things in that respect. The word meaning trusty. And it means persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, in the execution of commands, 
or the discharges of duties. You'll have duties. There'll be commands given you. There's a role for you to play within the church. And this is true whether you're the wife of a, a leader or you're just a lady in the church. So I want you to think about this just for a little while. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. These kind of parallel the things we've been talking about, don't they? Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Ladies, we need you. The church needs you desperately to be teachers, to do Bible studies with one another, to open your homes to other ladies and to share the Scriptures, to study. You older ladies, you ladies that have experience, take these younger ladies under your wings. Develop a relationship with one another where that we cooperate together to raise good children and to help one another through the difficult times. Well, this is the heart and soul of your role within the church. And the church needs it so desperately. And if a lady invites you to a Bible study, get up and go. And sacrifice a little time. And go enjoy that study and learn in that study and embrace being faithful in all things because there's a lot of teaching that needs to be done. And you have such wonderful ability to do it. And you have a way to look at these things that men just don't have. And there's some things that we just can't grasp in a way that you can. And those things need to be taught in a private way. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, with sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Again, a broad term. You need to engage in doing good. Keep thinking I'm pushing the button. Engage in helping people. I'll tell you, our congregation's really been blessed by our ladies making a concerted effort to engage in doing good and helping people. It makes no difference to us if they're in the church or out of the church. We don't care where they go to church. If, if our ladies hear about a new family in town that's had a new baby, they're going to put together some diapers and baby food and those kind of wipes. They're going to go give it to them. God bless them. This is from the church. If they hear some man that's having surgery and they're going to put together food for those people and they're going to make sure they have meals for a week, it's a good work. It doesn't matter if they're a part of our church or not a part of our church. It's just good. It's a good thing to do. It's going to be helpful. They're going to take people and drive them to the doctor. They're going to go babysit for somebody when they've got something they've got to do. These are things they can just reach out and do. This is above and beyond just doing Bible studies with people. This is what he tells these ladies that they need to be. Women that becomes holiness. Teach these young women to be this kind of a person. All right, I'm getting plumb off now. Okay, I'm back. <clears throat> Acts 9, beginning in verse 36. An example. There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works 
and alms deeds which she did. This was a lady who busied herself and sacrificed her time in helping people and doing good things for people. And furthermore, on top of that, she gave people money. She filled her life with this. She was full of it. Good works, alms deeds. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom? When they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Dorcas, Tabitha is the same woman. She had two names evidently. Look at these clothes. Look at this coat. I can just picture these widows coming to Peter crying. Look at what she did. Look at what she made. Well, she was full of good works and she affected people. Okay? She made a difference in people's lives by caring. And it goes back in a big way to an elder working and serving out of love. Because of compassion, this was the heart and soul of Jesus and His work. And it's a way you can be like Jesus. is to go and engage and help people who have needs. You have a tremendous talent for that. To help them and care for them. And this woman made clothes. You know, I, I, you may have heard the story. When I was a child, my mother made me a shirt. It was blue, denim, red on the cuffs, had pearl snap buttons. Man, dad had one to match. And I'll tell you what, I, I was, I was, man, I was, mom made this for me, just for me. She did it because she loved me. And it was my shirt. And I remember when I outgrowed it, was angry. It didn't fit, mom. She loved me, you see. You want to invite somebody to church and have them come? You sew them a shirt. You make them a shirt and give them a custom shirt. You make them a meal. You take it to their home. You go see their grandma. You sit with her and you visit with her and you get to know her. I'm going to tell you, when you invite them to the meeting, they'll hardly be able to say no. But we've got to care about people. And I know we're busy, and, and God knows you are called on to sacrifice in so many ways and in so many areas, but the church needs this. If the church is going to grow, you've got to be full of good works. And this is what happened here, and I want to continue reading. See, Dorcas showed them the coats and garments which she had made while she was with them. Verse 40, But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her life. Now notice, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. This woman's life affected many people. Many people believed. Many people were Christians because of this woman. 
Because of her sacrifice and her work in the Lord, because of her arms deed, there were people who came to the church and became members of the church, you see. Acts chapter 18, verse 26, this is what we need within the church today. This one, Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and Aquila and Priscilla, having heard him, took him unto them and did expound, exactly expound to him the way of God. We need ladies who are willing to challenge people. And talk to people at the Walmart checkout line. All right? With people that you work with. Share God's word. And talk to them and engage them. And this woman, Priscilla, had no fear about sitting down with a preacher and talking to him about the faith of Jesus Christ. And you know what? She made a difference in his life. And you can too. Because you ladies, you know more about God's word than 99.9% of people that you're going to run to every day of your life. You know more. You have truth. You just need to have confidence to share it. And talk to people and love people. And this is what was happening then, and this is what we need to happen today. Be faithful in that. Matthew 27, verse 55. A few of these we're going to run through. Many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. This list of ladies, they served Jesus. They took care of him. I suppose they fed him. Maybe they provided him a home to sleep in. They made sure he had whatever he needed. This was their role. This is something they played and provided. I would encourage you to do that for the church. Minister to someone. Maybe it's the elders in some way. Maybe you help the deacons in some way. Maybe you help someone else in the church where they can do that. These women were noted for ministering to Jesus and helping him with the work in that way. Be that kind of a lady. Romans 16, beginning in verse 1, I commend... Unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chentria, that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. I want you to notice what the apostle has to say about this woman. She's a servant of the church. She's full of good works is what he's saying. She's busied herself in helping the growth of the church and helping the work of the church and helping to spread the gospel. And this was great to the side of the apostle. Notice what he said. She's succored many. She's comforted a lot of people. She's helped me. And she's helped those others who labor. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. You know what it tells me? And I hope it tells you they sacrificed for the church their time, their talents, their toil. And this was great in the record that we have of scriptures who have for my life laid down their own necks 
unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Let's go on. Philippians 4, verse 3. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. I was on a meeting last year, and a lady came up to me, and she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I thought she was going to say, we want you to come eat with us on Friday night. That's what I thought. And I'm trying to think, do I have a meal Friday night? You know. She said, I need to sit down with you and I need to go over your gospel study on the five-part study because I've got five studies set up to do five-part study. And I said, wow, this is so much better than a meal invite. <laughs> meal invites are great. She said, I've got to see how you do the gospel study. Women can labor in the gospel. These did. You can. Learn to do the five-part study. Why not? You're intelligent. Many of you are well-educated. The ones who are not are loaded with common sense. I'm not highly educated. I dropped out of college after two semesters. I told him I wasn't coming back. I'm going to tell you, I've never regretted it. All I want to do is church work. And I've been blessed. And if we make a choice and you make a decision today, I challenge you today, do a Bible study with someone you know by the end of the year. Do something good, ladies, for someone you know. Be a blessing to them and serve them with good works some way and invite them to your next meeting. I challenge you to do that and bring them here so that they can have life, forgiveness, fellow laborers, Clement, all those women he names, they work with me, you see. Work with these elders. Work with these people that are all involved in working. Sacrifice yourself in that way. Godly women are soldiers of the cross, and we need you so desperately. There are no leaders without godly wives. I hope the lesson's been an encouragement to you. I hope you see the need, ladies. I hope you embrace it. I hope you embrace it. I'm going to ask you to get out your songbook this evening. <clears throat> I want to talk just a minute. If you get out your book. We talked about change a little bit last night. We talked about what the invitation is about. And I, want to, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. There's nothing better than forgiveness. Have you ever had the feeling of knowing you're guilty and just how it weighs on you and grieves on you? Have you ever sat through invitation song and with dread and just looked down and just hide? I've done it. I've been miserable. I've gone home at night knowing I should have went forward. I've, I've had days where I knew I wasn't forgiven. Well, there's nothing better to be forgiven, to be clean. That's not what all we've talked about tonight, but we have an opportunity, an invitation to have forgiveness, to have every weight, to have every stress, to have every worry in your life relieved in just a short time. That's forgiveness. And if you're here tonight and you're not forgiven, 
If you're not in the kind of relationship you should be in with God, you can have that in just a few short minutes. If you've never been a Christian, you become a Christian tonight. I checked a while ago. The water's warm. In just a few minutes tonight, every sin of your life, all the guilt and the shame and, and everything can be gone just in a few minutes. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a Christian. You haven't, you haven't lived as you should. You haven't followed the Lord and dedicated yourself. Maybe tonight you feel like I need to dedicate myself. I need a change. You can do that. You can be forgiven in just a few minutes. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The emphasis not on the man, okay? It's on the act of humbling and going to God and him hearing our prayer. And this whole church will pray for you. I'm going to tell you, if you need forgiveness tonight, the only one who don't want you to have it is Satan. He wants it to crush you. He wants to bury you with it and overwhelm you and make you feel hopeless and depressed and quit. And Jesus just says, come. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus tonight as we sing.